guys, this is the Agen Podcast. I'm your host, Oliver Cornley, and today I have a very special guest, Harry Panther. How are you doing, man? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me, mate. How are you, yourself? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, thank you. I've been meaning to get you on for a while. Uh, we went. To, we both go to University of Manchester, and I think we networked last year, something like that. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, maybe 18 months ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously, we were both developing apps, and uh, Harry's now working on the Houser app, uh, pretty much full-time, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a long haul, mate. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, introduce yourself and like a bit about Hausa. Yeah, sure. So yeah, my name's Harry. Um, I go to like Ollie said, I go to the uh, University of Manchester. Um, I think we met. I think it was twelve to eighteen months ago, and I kind of gave you a little bit of mentorship for about mm-hmm. literally very, very, very short period. Um, but yeah, so I do economics and politics at the uni. Uh, I'm in my final year, um, and then I started a few companies in the past, uh, ranging from clothing brands to software companies to media brand and then coming at university I uh, experienced a massive issue with student housing and thought this needs to be done better um, so I went and did that and I built a team around myself and uh, I built amazing. a student housing application. No, amazing man I mean um, so this podcast here we're going to be talking about sort of how to really get things going how to get started obviously Harry uh, is developing an app-based business which is very very different to a lot of product-based businesses if you have them, those you're listening now, be sure to check out our website, ourgen.co.uk. That's ourgen.co.uk. Keep learning, get earning, and uh, I hope you learn a lot from it. So, Harry, just to kick things off, okay, so a lot of our listeners, they're, they're either just starting a business or they've got an idea. What were the things that you wish you'd have learned earlier, like reflecting now, that you wish you'd have learned, you know, back at the start of the journey? Yeah, sure. I think... The biggest thing for me was when I started the journey, I thought I was this superstar that could do it all, right? I thought yeah. I could code everything. I thought I could develop everything. I thought I could raise investment myself. I thought I could drive strategy with marketing, marketing and business development. But the biggest realization and learning curve was the, of the importance of a team around you. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like being able to build a team around you is one of the biggest skills in anything in life, especially if you want to go into a leadership role as an entrepreneur. Um, so I think two things. I, really, well, I wish I would have learned that the importance of having a team around yourself and also the fact that raising investment takes an awful long time. It's not overnight. And I think I thought, right, okay, I've got a smashing product. I've got a good pitch deck. I can kind of talk my way out of things if I need to <laughs> and, and talk my way into things if I need to. So I get it done within a week or so too. But uh, it's a long process, upwards of six to nine months if you're lucky. Six to nine months if you're lucky. Yeah, no, definitely. I think we've all been there though, is like, especially if you even if you're leading a project for a university uh, task or obviously entrepreneurialism, you know, if you are that leadership role, you, you do think you can just, you're invincible and you can just do everything. And obviously I think it, I Definitely. think to start off with, it's okay. But then when you start developing further down the house with the business now, Hauser, mm. obviously team members are very, very important, even, even in work, even in careers, um, you know, like in a big company, if you're management, you know, you need to be able to build a team. So you'd say that building a team and learning how to just like... 100%, delegate, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think the uh, if the ideation, if you imagine kind of a spectrum uh, and at the very start is like the ideation stage, as mm. soon as you tip past that into kind of proof of concept, you really do need a team. You can do it by yourself up until a point, but having a team really kind of bolsters innovation, really gets your, gets your business off the ground because that idea of delegation makes sure that you can focus on what you're good at, which for me mm. is kind of product building and vision. So I can focus on that 
raise investment and portray the vision instead of having to deal with absolutely everything and micromanage all different aspects yeah. of the business. I mean, who was the first person that you, you actually officially was like, right, okay, this is, I'm going to work with this person? Well, it's quite a funny story. So uh, I'm also the president of the Creek Club at uni and uh, my first four <laughs> founders were from the Creek Club. Right, we were okay. sat at uh, we were sat at two pint Tuesday at the SU, <laughs> and I said, "Lads, I've got this idea of a student housing company. Uh, it needs to be better. Student housing needs to be simpler and streamlined, and the management of properties needs to be cheaper and streamlined." Like, come and join me, and um, yeah, so I, there was like nice. seven of us at the very start, seven of us, and uh, it kind of dwindled its way down into the core founders and who we've got today. And uh, the last remaining, uh, well, well, from the group club with me now as a core founder is Ben, and uh, he's been with me from the start. Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of university because of like networking. I mean, principally, Harry, um, the only reason why I'm at university now is, is for that, is networking and having the time mm. and obviously having a pint with your mates. You know, if you if you do have an idea, you've just, you've just got to have the confidence to ask them, haven't you? And just like, because you, you trust them as well, right? So yeah, definitely. you'd naturally work with them. And Sorry, go on. I think, I think, I think one of the key points of that is that I'm hearing, you've, you've probably heard the mum test, right? Where you're asking your parents oh, what you think on an idea and they're going to say, yeah, it's great. But mates are very critical and they yeah. take the piss out of you a lot, right? Yeah. So yeah. You, say some, you say something that doesn't, doesn't seem right, doesn't work, they will tell you. And I didn't have that at all. And I, I had to right. go on, let's get smashed this. And I kind of thought, yeah, let, let's do it. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think um, <laughs> your mum, like your parents, they're going to be, um, you know, I think family is, is difficult to, to deal with when it comes to like entrepreneurism and business. And obviously, like you said, with your friends, they're a bit more realistic and they're going to shoot you yeah, down if it's, it's a shit idea. So 100%. going on to networking then, obviously, yeah, okay, so an idea is founded. So you, you were talking about Hauser and you did a bit of market research probably. But then, you know, when you said like it moves to all like projects sort of product building, for example, building a network around business, especially students, is really, really difficult. Um, yeah. I think that both of us have been very fortunate in who we've met and the process. Mm. But what tips would you give to people to build their network if they want to start their own business? Sure. Yeah, I think the biggest thing you mentioned is that um, you leverage your environment. So mm. say, for example, you're a university student, which I'm assuming a lot of the, your listeners will be, right? Yeah. Um, you're a university student, just throw yourself in absolutely everything to do with a startup ecosystem in the area you are. Luckily for us, Manchester has a very good ecosystem for startups. Yeah, it's, and it's, a, it's almost like a, the new startup hub of the UK, um, especially for like new tech and software companies. Mm. So I kind of pushed into societies and respect to like accelerate me, Manchester entrepreneurs, if, where I could. And the biggest thing for me was that I connected with absolutely everybody. That sounds stupid on, a, on in, ostensibly, but if you look into it, if you connect with absolutely anybody, you never know when you're going to need somebody. You never know when you can lean on somebody in the future, right? And the beauty of a bit of business is you, you might be the leader or you might be the CEO, but at the end of the day, you have no idea what you're doing, really. You're just going from task to task, right? So that, you, idea yeah. of the, that idea of the unknown, but knowing you have this extensive network that you can like lean on when you do find out what you need to do. That's perfect. So if you look at my LinkedIn, I've probably got like 900 to 1,000 connections. I don't know hardly any of them, but the, that it comes down to the value of long-term needing them if, if, they, if they're yeah. of value when you find out, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I've just had that experience with Coach Footy, which is a, a coaching app for football coaches. And I connected with this guy like nine months ago and he, he worked at like PwC or something. And I had a call with him nine months after I connected with him. This was only two weeks ago. It turns out he's a footy coach for a local club. And it's just like, mm -hmm. you just make these really weird connections that you don't realize mm -hmm. at first. So I think when you do connect with people, be genuine, but also keep an open mind because you never know when you, you need them or they need you. 
Uh, and like definitely, you said, business, that's the beauty of business, really, isn't it? Yeah, and it has to be a reciprocal thing, right? If, if like, for example, we've had connections and that you needed me for just a bit of advice and then I, I lent on you for a few things, it, it's reciprocal and they're the best relationships with networking. Sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. So moving on from sort of obviously network, so let's say now we've got an amazing network, maybe a couple of investors in there or some partners, mm-hmm. and now we need to sort of focus on the, the pitch deck. So we, we're building our mm-hmm. product, we've got our network going, and now we're starting to think, right, okay, we need investment or we need partners. So mm-hmm. obviously with the pitch deck, the purpose of that is to basically sell the dream of, of your idea mm-hmm. because you're taking your head and putting it on paper. So mm-hmm. what would you say, like the three like core fundamental parts of a pitch deck, which, which lean towards Yeah, success? sure, sure. I think it's quite funny because I've literally just finished an investment proposal for a second investor nice. for, our, for our second round of investment we're trying to get. Um, but no, so yeah, basically the biggest thing I can't stress enough is getting across your why. And what I mean by that is making the problem solution very clear. So it's, you see, the, in my opinion, the best startups and the best businesses are direct solutions to problem. That's probably quite cliche now. Everyone's heard that, everyone's mm. heard it everywhere, but people don't realize it enough. They, they, some, a lot of the time they think that, but they build a product and find the problem. So once you understand the value of finding a solution to an existing problem or a perceived problem that could be happening in the future, um, you really need to stress that and really simplify, really, really simplify it down. And what I mean by that is if you can describe what your startup is in like 30 seconds and get across a problem and solution in person, you should be able to do it in a pitch deck. You know what I mean? That's, that's massive. That's massive. So um, I think that's the biggest one. I think the second is, for, especially for an investment proposal, not necessarily a pitch deck. Because uh, obviously you've got a pitch deck that explains what you're doing, but it's for an investment pitch deck, it's a bit more orientated around, you okay, I, I want your money, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest thing is current traction. So if you've got any traction, get that across. And if you haven't got any current traction, show a strong market evaluation, such validation. Mm-hmm. Show that there, there is potential for traction because the market is there for your product, right? Yeah. Um, and then I think lastly is your business model and, and investment outline. You need to be very clear about how much you need, why you need that investment, expenditure plans, then most of all, how that investment actually incorporates progression into your company. Because at the end of the day, investors want a return, right? And if they can't see a direct route to a return yeah, through understanding where yeah. that capital goes, then they're not going to invest. I mean, there's a common theme here of numbers. And I think that this is really, really important because as entrepreneurs, we're very caught up in sort of like the chaos of just trying to do everything and manage everything. And obviously we, we do tend to sort of drift away at times and when you're delivering a pitch you've got to think about especially to an investor that their language is numbers and if the numbers don't make Mm. sense then you're not going Mm -hmm. to get an investment so Mm. it's really important you do your research i mean is there any any tips on how you can validate numbers especially market research i mean yeah i think yeah i think so so the biggest thing is building out a financial model and financial projections at a very early stage pre-revenue kind of company is all projection. It's very hard to be accurate in that respect, uh, especially if you're not proved concepts. But the biggest thing is trial and error. Set KPIs. So set if you're, if you're a B2B business, set KPIs of how many businesses you want to onboard onto your platform. Then look at how that affects your forecasts. And then once you can understand the optimum level of kind of KPI settings, so your numbers kind of matching together, you can then realize, okay, that's the most accurate forecast I can give to an investor right now. And they will understand that. They're not coming to looking at your pitch deck and saying, oh, but you've not got this, this and this and this. They understand that, but they, but, but they do also then recognise that you ever tried to kind of give a projection. And that's, yeah, that's the biggest yeah. thing. That value in numbers is massive, I agree. Number, yeah, and just for listeners out there, I don't know what KPIs are, so key performance indicators. And if I'm right, it's, it's sort of like measuring 
the efficiency and the, and the, the performance of your business objectives, for example? I mean, do you, could you label yeah. like a KPI for Hauser? Just uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, sure. So a KPI, so we're releasing that early, uh, early release campaign um, soon, nice. um, fully, and uh, one, of K, one of the KPIs is to get a thousand students on the campaign within the next four weeks. So it's all about a KPI is almost like a, uh, a set task or objective to reach mm. the overall objective. And tangible numbers, achieve. right? Yeah, if, yeah. You can, if you can achieve these three KPIs, you theoretically should be able to achieve the objective over that, if that makes sense. You know? Amazing, yeah, yeah, definitely. So with Hauser, if you don't mind, I mean, have you got first funding already? Obviously, you're going for your second we round. Had, yeah, yeah, we, we, had, we had very early stage investment. Uh, we call, uh, I call it kind of a friends and family round. It's not friends and family. But it's massively just grand. In the industry, really you pre- call it really friends pre- and family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah really. Are you like pre- to say how much really is that? Pre- is that the million dollar question? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an inkling. It's probably uh, about five to ten percent of the investment round that we hope to raise later in the year. Right. And okay. that investment round ranges to upwards of two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand pounds. Right. So. Okay. So it's it's a nice chunk to get you started and to really push it forward. So then, when you get to the second round, when it gets a bit more serious. Uh, you know, obviously you've got a bit more traction there and obviously that financial injection as well, that'll also prop up the business as more valid as well. Yeah, definitely. I think I should probably, yeah, probably rephrase what I said. So I'll probably say this is the first major round, right? Um, And then the second round is an even bigger round. We hope to raise later in the year. Um, But the the, the important thing you said then, quite interesting, this early stage round is to get us launched, uh, to finalise the MVP and then Mm -hmm. allow us to build product traction which is massively vital for raising large investment. That's what I should have added earlier. Yeah. You need to build traction. If you haven't got traction, you provide a market validation and then go on to build traction. You need to, you need to build traction to prove your concept, right? Concepts, and that's what we're trying yeah, to do yeah. until we raise a larger round. And then you can get uh, conquer the world, right? I mean, so for this yeah, is definitely. the um, MVP. So obviously with your first round of investment, uh, you're, you're building your MVP, which is your minimum viable product. And this is basically like... Um, it's almost like a, a prototype, which is functional, but it doesn't have all yeah. the glamorous features in there. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you've got probably 10, 20 features, but you've only used three or four. I mean, like, yeah, describe so, yeah, the MVP. Yeah, yeah. And- yeah, sure. So you've got a you've kind of, let's set a scale. So one to 10. It, number 10 is your full value proposition, mm. which you are putting in your pitch deck. You are telling investors, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to change the industry through this full value proposition. The MVP is probably at five. That's all at four to yeah. five, where... You're hitting the market at a functional product that does kind of what you say it's going to do without the kind of fancy frills and advanced features. Um, we've had an MVP for quite a while now, but we're kind of expanding that to be kind of changing and realigning what our MVP looks like in relation to talking to our to the market, talking to agents. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, our MVP is probably at seven, um, six or seven. And then we hope to uh, then have a market ready MVP for full on launch at 10 once we've raised both these rounds of investment. And then you can optimize sort of like the, the more the technical side and your designs and your marketing and everything else and really finish it off. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So like, okay, so we've got the product, you know, we're, we, we've got investment and we're ready to sort of kick things off. Obviously you, you're just starting now to like really fully go for it. Like it's a full operational business. Um, and obviously when you're launching, is it a couple of months, a couple of weeks? Um, so yeah, so the, the private launch is happening kind of now up until the next four weeks. Nice. Um, and then so the they're thousand launch, users, right? You want to get that? Uh, 500 to 1,000 users. We yeah, hope, to get, yeah. hope to be testing that in a private arena. And then we hope to launch fully March, April time, fully. Amazing. Well, best of luck with that, man. Cheers. Thank <laughs> you. Thank I'll you. be keeping an eye out because Hauser, I think, is really useful, especially for most of our listeners now. You know, Hauser for the student accommodation. I find it really frustrating. 
um, with all the admin stuff. And it's, I think what you guys are doing are amazing because you're, you're giving students more of a voice and more of a say in obviously landlords are manipulative in that way, you know, uh, amazing. So put yourself in the shoes of, let's say you've just launched now and everything's mm -hmm. going well. Is there anything yeah. that you would say to, to people who, you know, are in a similar position to you that you wish you'd have, you'd have done earlier, but like practical, like tangible things, like you wish you'd have made a marketing campaign sooner or something? Yeah, sure. I think um, the biggest thing for us was that we had a very traditional style of um, operating. So this is, um, this is within context of having a team or at least a mm. couple of co-founders. Um, not being a sole founder. So the biggest thing that I'd probably say to do early on is build a company structure. It might sound silly, but if you build a back-end structure of task delegation, of communication, of understanding what needs to be done when, that is massively going to help you in the future. It might seem like you're doing, you're doing something which you should only be doing with, when you're successful, but no, no, you need to be doing this from day one. And we've just currently, especially with all be, being remote at the moment, uh, built out a complete back-end, almost virtual office on Notion. Uh, and I'd highly recommend Notion and Slack for that. Notion and Slack, yeah, Slack especially for communication as well. I mean, so with the structure then, you've got like a, is it like a pipeline process where if something changes or new information or something happens, then you know exactly who's going to do it, you know, who's going to manage it, you know, who's going to deliver yeah. it and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like, so the very, at the start of the week, I set out a weekly snapshot with everyone's tasks. Um, and people obviously put in tasks in there with what the sectors they're doing. And within our team, we break it, out, break it down into different sectors. So you've got development, investment, uh, marketing, and strategy. Uh, and each one of those teams has different people in it and sometimes overlapping people. Like I'm in every single one of those teams. Uh, and that's quite important to know at the very start, you do everything as a CEO. Yeah. Uh, and as your core co-founder, you do absolutely everything. So that's the structure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. So just to finish off then, you know, if for those listeners out there, obviously we've got our gen, which has got loads of uh, startup resources in there. We want to build a nice selection of documents for people to like download, like accountancy, especially really basic stuff to get them kicked off. Uh, is there anything that you've used that you have found like a really amazing when it comes to startup, um, you know, when you're in your business, when you're on your journey? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing for me, apart from tools like things like Beautiful AI and Slack and Notion and stuff, I think the biggest thing is uh, kind of sustaining and creating a perception within a startup kind of idea. And I think listening to a podcast called uh, How I Built This, I think it is. How I Guy, Built This. Yeah, Guy, Guy Raz, I think, or Roz. Um, it's really good because I think the biggest thing with startups is a lot of the time you don't, you don't have anything tangible for quite a while. So mm -hmm. It's all about sustaining that vision and realizing why you're doing it. And I think this this podcast shows you the journey of successful startups. So you can really see how you fall within that kind of uh, alignment of succeeding with your startup. I and mean, it's quite good to build that perception early on, I think. Yeah, definitely. It was really interesting how you said, um, obviously, you can relate to that as well, because I feel that a lot of people, especially our age, we aspire, well, a lot of us look up to like Hugh, you know, like Bezos, Elon Musk and all these famous entrepreneurs. But mm. the, the grand scheme of things is that it's probably not healthy to do that because if they're doing things at a multi-billion dollar level, which mm. is very, very different to something which is millions of hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands. So by looking mm. with this podcast, I'm getting the, the smaller startups or the smaller companies, which are more realistic and aligned to, to what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. And then later on, you can then develop that and grow. Um, yeah, where, it's all about setting the foundations, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Where, where, where do you see how, sir? Like in 10 years time, let's say. Uh, I think 10 years, is, I think you got to look a bit, shorter than that i think okay. in five years time 
I hope to be kind of, I hope house is the default for student housing across the country, nice. almost like the UCAS for student housing. Um, yeah. And I hope we commercialise into the young professional market and make the kind of transition between tenancy to tenancy as easy as all doing in Uber. We hope to really kind of like smash the industry in a student and commercial aspect. Uh, and I probably can see an acquisition within like five years, I think. Amazing. Nice. Well, uh, best of luck with that journey. So any, uh, any, yeah, any last words to our listeners? Uh, just go for it. I think the biggest thing and the biggest barrier to starting a startup is starting a startup. <laughs> I think the fear of the unknown and, and kind of like, oh yeah, I'll do it later. Just do it now. Literally yeah, like, yeah. Just, just, just think of something, write something down. Just start building your team to start early and then you'll, uh, you'll hopefully succeed early. Amazing. No, wise words, wise words, hey. But yeah, thank you very much for uh, coming on. Really appreciate you uh, sharing that. And no best of luck with Thank you very much for tuning in. Keep learning, get earning, and I'll speak to you next week.